because of their work, live in peace with one another. Now back it up to 12. But we request of you, brethren, that you appreciate those. Somebody say appreciate. You appreciate those who diligently, diligently labor among you and have charge over you in the Lord and to give you instruction. And so we see here that the Bible tells us to appreciate our pastors. Appreciate them as gifts from God. Amen? And like I said, my pastor, it's not just a pastor. He's a man of God. And not just a man of God, he is a spiritual father to many spiritual sons. You see, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul goes on to describe his relationship to his spiritual son, Timothy. And he says, listen, you have many teachers. You have many tutors. You have many instructors. But you don't have many fathers. And see, here at Victory Life, we want to get past the religion. We want to get past the normalcy. We want to get past of the routine. And we want men and women who come in here and desire to be a son and a daughter, not only to the Lord, but the spiritual father and mother of this house. It's biblical. Well, Jesus said, don't call any man father. Yes, he did. We know Pastor Raymond's not our godly father in heaven. But it's a relationship as a father to a son who gives instruction, who guides, who corrects, who helps him walk. Joshua had Moses. Elijah had Elijah. Timothy had Paul. Amen. I can tell you today I'm a spiritual son to Pastor Raymond. He's my spiritual father. God is my heavenly father. Because of God, I stand here today delivered. I stand here today redeemed. I stand here today preaching the gospel. Hallelujah. But God has divinely assigned me to Pastor Raymond. And God has divinely assigned Pastor Raymond to me. To be used by God to guide me, to help develop me, to correct me. And there's been a whole lot of correction. To rebuke me, to instruct me, to exhort me, to encourage me. And to be an example of what it looks like to be a man of God. And we know Jeremiah chapter 3. Jeremiah chapter 3 and verse 11. Jeremiah chapter 3 and verse 11. We're going to 15. And the Lord said to me, Faithless Israel has proved herself more righteous than treacherous Judah. Go and proclaim these words toward the north and say, Return, faithless Israel, declares the Lord. I will not look upon you in anger, for I am gracious. Is anybody grateful that the Lord is gracious this morning? Yeah, you better be. I will not be angry forever. Only acknowledge your iniquity that you have transgressed against the Lord your God and have scattered your favors to the strangers under every green tree, and you have not obeyed my voice, declares the Lord. All the way to 15. Return, O faithless sons, declares the Lord, for I am a master to you. And I will take you from one city and two from a family, and I will bring you to Zion. He's bringing us, hallelujah. Then, 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 this is what the Lord, the, the, uh, the Lord says through Jeremiah. He says, then I will give you shepherds. And we know this is uh, the same as pastors. I will give you pastors after my own heart. I will give you shepherds after my own heart. Listen, the word pastor, it's used maybe one time in the Bible because it's a shepherd. What a pastor is, is a shepherd. He shepherds, he nurtures, he leads. 
guides to, to rivers of flowing water. He says, but the, the, word, the Lord says, I will give you pastors according to my own heart. According to my own heart. I'm telling you, God wants to divinely assign you to a pastor that comes from his heart. I remember when I was younger in the Lord and I would run from church to church and pastor to pastor just trying to seek the man who would justify the way I was living and let me do what I wanted to do. But God had a plan. Seven years ago, I came in the home busted and disgusted. I couldn't be trusted. And God divinely assigned me to the man, Pastor Raymond. Because I couldn't get over on Pastor Raymond. I couldn't manipulate Pastor Raymond. I couldn't hustle Pastor Raymond. And Pastor Raymond wasn't going to justify my stupidity. God knew what he was doing. A lot of pastors couldn't handle me. They couldn't. So God divinely assigned me to victory life under Pastor Raymond because Pastor Raymond has been anointed by God and has the measure of grace he needs to deal with people like me. Amen. And listen, a pastor is a shepherd. A pastor is not an employee from the church whose one job is to please you. A pastor is a shepherd. A shepherd. And guess what? You know what a shepherd would do at times to a sheep? When that sheep would wander off and get into stuff it wasn't supposed to get in, it would break the sheep's leg. Yeah. But some sheep are unwilling to let the shepherd work with them in that manner. Amen? But you've got to understand, the shepherd does that to ultimately protect the sheep. Because the sheep keeps getting into stuff it's not supposed to get into. So it breaks the leg, and as it breaks the leg, it puts a stint on the leg. And the sheep, during this brokenness, during this pain, during this hurt, the sheep learns to walk close to the shepherd. And so now when the leg is healed and there's no pain there no more, there's no brokenness there no more, the sheep has learned to walk close to the shepherd. Amen. So the sheep, he's not a dumb sheep no more. The sheep knows I got to stay close to the shepherd. Amen. But the, the, the job of a pastor, it's the role of a shepherd to the sheep, to the flock of God. Amen. And to answer the call of pastoral ship, you have to be anointed by God to do it. A lot of people see men of God and what they do and what they have and where they are and they say, man, I want that. But what about people blowing your phone up 23 hours out of the day when your family or at a baseball game watching your child and a church member calls just had a wreck and they're in the hospital and the man of God has to leave what he's doing with his family to go take care of the needs of the church. I'm talking about this kind of stuff. Amen? You can try and mimic what another man of God is doing, but if you're not anointed by God to do it, Ministry will kill you. It will kill you. It will destroy you. Amen. 
You have to have a special measure of grace that matches what God's called you to do. Amen? I'm telling you, saints, grace, it makes difficult things easy. Let me go a step further. Grace makes things that are impossible possible. That's grace. When your flesh and your own strength and your own wisdom, when it comes to its wits end, when it comes to its breaking point, then grace takes over. Then grace takes over. And so my pastor, he's been given a measure of grace by God to deal with the flock here at Victory Life. I'm telling you, there has been many times when I see my pastor dealing with somebody and I would say, man, if that was me, I would have done chunk the deuces. I wouldn't put up with all that. But guess what? That's why God has Pastor Raymond here because he has the grace in order to deal with this flock. Amen? And you really need to be thanking God that God didn't bring you to some other ministry with a pastor who don't have that kind of patience who don't have that kind of grace, who don't have that kind of faithfulness to God and His Word. Amen? Sometimes we take our pastor for granted. Amen? We take it for granted. Listen, a pastor is a gift from God, saints. A pastor is a gift from God. And he says in Ephesians, I gave some gifts to the church, the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, pastors, and teachers. God has given us a gift of a pastor wrapped up in Pastor Raymond and Pastor Heather. Amen? And let me tell you, when God gives a gift, it's something you need. God doesn't just frivolously give stuff out. When God gives a gift, it's something you need. And listen, to grow in God and to successfully be guided and, and, and go forward... You need a pastor in your life. For a man to say, I don't want to be controlled by man. I don't want a pastor. That's scary. You don't want accountability. You want to do whatever you want to do and nobody have the ability to correct you while you're doing it. Amen? Why would God give a gift to the church and then we reject the gift and say, I don't need that? Well, God should have never gave the gift. But God gave the gift because we need it. Amen. To reject the pastor is to reject someone that God uses to correct you. To reject the pastor is to reject someone God uses you to feed you the word of God. To reject the pastor, ultimately, that's to reject discipleship. That's what rejecting the pastor is. And when you reject something that God tries to give you, you suffer unnecessarily. Some of us are suffering unnecessarily because we're not tapping into the gift that God's already given us. Yeah, I'm preaching. Amen. And when God gives a gift, He gives instructions for that gift. Amen. When I started 1 Thessalonians, it says, to appreciate those who labor over you, who preach the word, Show honor where honor is needed. I see God has given us instructions. Amen. When we show up into the house of God, we need to be hungry for the word. You see, it's not the pastor's job to get you hungry. It's the pastor's job to show up 
and preach the word of God that God has given him. It's your, it's your, your responsibility to show up hungry for the word of God. I used to have my friends over after school, after football, and my, my, my mom would feed us. And I remember some of the, the kids who were picky eaters, they'd come in, and you know, the second or third time, they'd start pushing the plate. They'd start pushing the plate. They'd start pushing the plate. And my mama, when everybody left, said, how come he don't eat? I don't know, mama. And so they kept coming, and mama quit feeding them. Because the food that was brought, right, it was according to the level of hunger. You see, it's the same in church. When you come in this place hungry for the word of God, God is going to fill you up. God is going to feed you. God is going to provide for you. Amen? And check this out. The pastor can't feed you everything you need for Sunday to Sunday, Sunday morning. Because some of you, you get real hungry Tuesday, and you're only working off what pastor fed you Sunday morning. Yeah. Amen? It's not my job or my pastor's job to tell you to go to the fridge and get something to eat. Amen? It's like my little brothers, Ash and Cameron, they come over. You know, the first couple times, okay, I'll get you some food. I'll show you where the fridge is at. You're a guest the first couple times. But now that you've been coming over, you're family. Now that you become family, you need to go get your own food. You need to go feed yourself. Some of us have been sitting in the chair for years and still only get fed what the pastor's feeding. Uh-huh. You need to go get something out of the fridge yourself. I tell people all the time, how do you expect to fight a seven-week devil off a Sunday morning and a Wednesday night God? Uh-huh. You can't do it. But the level of hunger that's in this place, it determines the level of the word that's poured out. Didn't Jesus say, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness? For they shall be filled. But in order to get filled, sisters, brothers, you got to be hungry. Amen? Yeah. But these things, this is what Jesus was saying in Luke 6. He's like, these things, listen, the appreciation, honoring the pastor submitting to the pastor, praying for the pastor, all this stuff I'm about to share. Listen, it, it's meaningless unless it comes from the heart. Unless it comes from the heart. Amen? Unless it comes from the heart. It should be within your heart to appreciate your pastor, to pray for your pastor, to do acts of kindness for your pastor. Amen? Because it stays in his heart to care for us. And so we see that the pastor has a responsibility from God for the church. But how many of you know that the church has a responsibility from God for the pastor? Amen. In Exodus chapter 17, you go ahead and put my title up. Jacob, where's Jacob at? Come on, man of God. In Exodus chapter 17, we're going to read 8 through 3. My title this morning is Lifting Up the Hands of Your Pastor. Lifting up the hands of, come over here. Lifting up the hands of your pastor. Stand right there. Everybody can see. Lift your hands up. Yeah. Like that. Y'all don't mind the sweat. Lift your hands up. Amen. <laughs> Exodus chapter 17. Exodus chapter 17 verses 8 through 13. 
lifting up the hands of your pastor. Waiting on you, brother. I'll read it. The word of God reads. Then Amalek came and fought against Israel at Rephidim. And so Moses said to Joshua, he said, Choose men for us and go out and fight against Amalek. Tomorrow I will station myself on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. And Joshua did as Moses told him, and he fought against Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And you got to understand, the pastor, he can't take just anybody on top of the hill with him. Amen. And so it came about when Moses held his hand up, when Moses held his hand up, Israel prevailed. Come on, somebody. And this, so you know, this is representing a pastor. He's, he is a pastor. He, he's not just walking in it quite yet, but he is a pastor. But this represents the pastor right here, okay? His hands are up. The church is progressing. The church is expanding. We're fighting the enemy. People getting saved. Souls getting won. We're having revivals. We're having rallies. We're doing all these awesome things. The pastor's hands are up, and the Lord is bringing about victory. Keep them up, brother. In verse 12, it says, But Moses' hands began to get heavy. Moses' hands began to get heavy. And then it says they took a stone and they put it under him. And he sat on it. And Aaron and Hur supported his hands. One on one side and one on the other. Thus his hands were steady until sunset. And so Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. And the Lord said to Moses, write this in the book as a memorial and recite it to Joshua that I will utterly blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. You talk about a victory. Amen. Not only am I going to bring about a victory, but I'm going to completely wipe away any memory of your enemies. Yeah. Woo! Yeah. Woo! The thought of, of the battles, the thought of the enemies ain't even going to cross your mind no more. Woo. Them things you used to struggle with ain't even going to cross your mind no more. You're not even going to dwell on it. You're not going to think about it. But the victories brought about when the pastor's hands were held high. The man of God's hands were held high. But the Bible says, Pastor Moses' hands got heavy. They got heavy. And the Bible says that, that her and Joshua came and, and, and they held his hands. Aaron and her. Aaron and her, they came and they held his hands. Your hands getting heavy? Elliot, Izzy. These men came and they began to hold up the hands of the man of God. Amen? They began to hold his hands up. They held the pastor's hands up. They held the man of God's hands up. Huh? Here, Pastor. Pastor, Pastor, I'm encouraging. Pastor, God's moving in the ministry right now. God, man, God's bringing about victory. You know, I know we're we dealing with stuff, but God's bringing about victory. Encouraging him. Lifting up his hand. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, I lift up my pastor right now to you in Jesus' name. I pray you give him wisdom for the things that you're wanting him to direct and to do, God. I pray for power upon my pastor, God, to be able to do what he's called to do, God. He's lifting, lifting up the hands. Lifting up the hands. But how many of you know our pastor's hands get heavy? And he might have, you know, a worship pastor lifting up one. And maybe an associate pastor lifting up the other. But then people come around and say, 
Ah, pastor, come on, come on, come on, pastor, pastor, help. And they begin to work in the opposite direction. These guys are lifting, and then there's people on the sides pulling, 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 pulling. Amen. You see, at some point, ministry, church, it has to go from what you can get out of it to what you can invest into it. Amen. Gimme, 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 gimme. Help me, help me, help me, help me. I remember one time God checked me. I remember my pastor just had this tragic situation with an organization. Tragic situation with this organization. And I come in and I was like, Pastor, I wanna, I wanna go to that organization and I want them to do something for me. And he looked at me and he just let me have it. I'm just laid into me, had me staring in the closet for hours, like, wow. Just laid into me. But then God told me, listen, there is times that you, you, you're going to come to your pastor and he doesn't need to hear, help me, give me what you can do for me. But he needs to hear words of encouragement from you. Amen. They say... The, the pastor examination survey online 2010 was taken. 70% of pastors say they feel lonely in ministry. Look at this room. This room is full of people. But yet the pastors feel lonely. Why? Because they can't take everybody up the hill with them. Some of you right now, you still remember one bad thing your pastor did five years ago and you held it against him. You still hold it over his head. I heard him say hell. He did. He said it. Up here preaching, talking about, you'll go to hell if you don't know Jesus. Holding it over the pastor's head. Right? You see, the pastor can't open up with everyone because the majority of everyone is too immature to understand that the pastor is still a man. The pastor is still a woman. Amen? But we need to do some maturing on our end. Hallelujah. Some maturing on our end. And so listen, let me give you a few ways y'all are good. Let me give you a few ways. And let's keep holding. Give God some praise. Your pastor is still human. Your pastor's still human. I know they seem superhuman when they're up here anointed by God preaching. And they come and they give you a word from the Lord. And you're like, man, I was just praying for that. It seems superhuman. But they're not. They're just men and women anointed by God. And at the end of the day, they're still human. But when, what happens is, is the pastor becomes overburdened and the church becomes underburdened and the whole flock is in distress because of it. Because the flock doesn't want to be challenged and take on some of the responsibility and the burden from the pastors in order for this ministry to go forward and do what God's called this ministry to do. And so everyone's in distress. Amen. Moses, listen, Moses had millions of people following. Moses had millions of people following him. But guess what? He had two people holding up his hands. Two people. Amen. Look to your neighbor and say, we don't need another client. We don't need just another member. But we need family up in this house. Hallelujah. We need family. Amen. And I shouldn't even have to tell, you know, I know this, this group right here, you know, we already know the significance of tithing and how it's a mandate, it's a command. Amen. And let me tell you something. Jesus is free. Amen. It's free. 
But guess what? Ministry costs money. Church costs money. Ministry costs money. Let me see you go in Walmart, fill your basket up, and then walk out without paying. Oh, yeah. Some of you have done that before a couple times. She said just once. But when we roll in the church and we come here consistently and we don't tithe, that's what we're doing. We're filling up us, filling up our basket and rolling the cart out. Ministry costs money. Church costs money. That's why I direct from the Lord a tithe, a tenth to the church. Amen? Everybody here knows that though, huh? I'm going to try and hurry. i got 15 more minutes. All right? One of the ways you can lift your hands, uh, the, your hands of your pastor up is to come in. I already went over this. Is to come in hungry for the word of God. Is to come in this house hungry for the word. How many times do the pastors, they're over here, and they're just trying to get you passionate about Jesus when they should be studying and figuring out what they need to feed the flock. They're just trying to get you hungry. You should already come in hungry. You should already be hungry. And let me tell you something, brother. Let me tell you something. The first thing that goes when you become spiritually sick is your hunger for the Word of God. You know, you got, you got guys sick in the home. I ain't talking about homeboys sick. They, they keep eating. I'm talking about really sick. When somebody's really sick, they don't eat. You guys ain't sick. You're tired. There's a difference. They become spiritually sick. The first thing that goes is their hunger for the Word of God. And if we sit right here and right now we evaluate our life, we examine ourselves, am I hungry for the word right now at this point in my life? And if you answer no, then you need to get back to where you once was. There's something off and you need, with the help of God, to fix it. Amen? The second thing you can do to lift up the hands of your pastor, hope you're taking notes in the home. The second thing you can do to lift up the hands of your pastor is to begin to help him take care of the church to begin to help him take care of the home, to take care of the women's home. Amen? Some of us see all these problems in the home and we don't do nothing about it and then we go tell the pastor, oh, it's messed up, it's jacked up, it's all this stuff. Well, what did you do to help? Or did you just bring the man of God more burden? Amen? Proverbs chapter 20, verse 6, it says, I love this, Many a man proclaim his own loyalty, but who can find a faithful man? Huh? And I checked this morning, I looked it up on, on, on uh, the stocks. Talk's still cheap. Amen? Yeah. The price ain't changed. Talk's still cheap. Everybody wants to say they're faithful, but who can really find someone faithful? Amen? I love it. I heard a story one time of a preacher bringing a, bringing a Tommy gun to church. He come in the front of the church. He put that gun up and he got the mic. He said, who's ready to die for Jesus? 90% of the church got out and ran out the door. 10% were left. They were lifting their hands up. For you, God, I know there's a crown. And then he put the gun down. He said, all right, let's have church. Amen. Let's have church. Amen. Listen, if you've been around for a while, if you've been around for a long time and you still need all the attention of your pastor, there's something wrong there. It comes to a certain point where you need to be the one out helping in the flock, helping in the church, helping in the home so pastor can focus on what God has in front of him. 
Amen. Many pastors are abused by the people because they don't even really have a desire to, 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 to be in church or do ministry or even really love the Word of God. And so the pastors get abused by the people. Listen, there was times, there was times where Jesus had to be the one to dismiss people out of the disciples' lives. Because of the, the, the holy nature within us, the Holy Spirit within us, our joy, our gratitude, our generosity, sometimes God has to dismiss people out of your life because you're going to continue to help them and do good to them and believe in them and be faithful. And so God will dismiss people at times out of your life. Amen? Let's not abuse our pastor this year, next year. The third thing you can do is grow in God yourself. Amen? Grow in God yourself. And the fourth thing, come on, Miss Bobby, the fourth thing you can do for your pastor, she's not in here, is pray for your pastor. A lot of people don't like to do that because nobody sees you doing it. The fourth thing you can do for your pastor is pray for your pastor. Listen, pray for his health. Pray for their health. Pray for their strength, spiritually and physically. Pray that their needs get met. I know we're always focused on our needs, but let's pray our pastor's needs get met. Pray for their marriage. Pray for their children. Pray for their finances. Pray that the Holy Spirit gives them supernatural wisdom. Pray that their fruit remains. Pray that your pastor doesn't get deceived by the people around him. Pray that God's word takes course. Pray for the church. Pray for the members. Pray for his relationships. Pray that he continue to get vision. Take those pressures he's pressured with and begin to lift them up to God. Yes. Pastor told me that day, he said, son, I need you to pray for me. I got on the phone, I said, Father, in the name of Jesus. But Pastor was able to open up with me and, and, and tell me that. Because I'm mature enough to know that he's still human. And he needs prayer just like we need prayer. Amen? Listen, if we all prayed for our pastor one minute a day, say there's a hundred of us. There's 365 days out of a year. Just one minute a day. 100 times 365, that's 36,500 minutes of prayer for our pastor a year. If we pray one minute a day. Amen? Pray for your pastor. And the fifth thing you can do is encourage him. You see, your pastor may seem like Superman, but he's still human. Amen? Sometimes you can minister. It's like this. You yourself... You don't want to constantly hang out with somebody and all they do is share negative stuff. Amen. This is messed up. This is wrong. This is best. Okay, dude. Go over there. <laughs> you know? But sometimes we feel like we, we do that with our pastors because we feel like they're the pastor. I can unload all my mess. I can load all my drama. I can load everything on them. Well, maybe you need to flip the conversation and begin to tell pastor everything you see right in the church. Everything you see right in the ministry. Everything you see right in their life. Amen. And the sixth thing you can do is defend your pastors. Is defend your pastors. First Timothy 3 7, it says, Listen, to be a pastor, you have to have a good reputation with those on the outside. Some of us are so busy running down the man of God, we're ruining the reputation of our pastors on the outside. You got to protect your pastor's reputation. 
Like I told you not too long ago, if you're going to wear a Victory Life shirt, don't be walking in no bar. Don't be walking in the smoke shop. Huh? Don't be on the corner drinking a 40 hanging out with the boys. You got a Victory Life shirt on. Take the shirt off. Amen? And come to church every time it's opened. Amen? Protect our pastor's reputation. There is people that the enemy's going to send to distract our pastors, to steal from our pastors emotionally, spiritually, physically. People are going to come. Amen? And sometimes all you can do is pray for those situations. Amen? To protect your pastor, pray for him. And the seventh thing you can do, worship team, you can come up, to lift up the hands of the man of God, to lift up the hands of your pastor, is run with the vision God has given them. What about my vision? What about me? My plans, my life. Listen, do you know when I received the call of God to be a pastor myself? It's when I began to run with the vision of my pastor. Within that, God gave me my vision. Amen? God gave me my vision. You got to run with the vision that's on this ministry. And I'm telling you right now, the vision of this ministry comes from the heart of God. It's God's heart that all men be saved. It's God's heart that all drug addicts find deliverance. It's God's heart that every alcoholic puts down the bottle. It's God's heart that every prostitute gets saved and begins to change their life. It's God's heart to plant churches and drop-ins and victory homes in the crime-infested neighborhoods. I was saying in my Bible study the other day, some churches, they, they begin to look at the statistics and, and, and the values of which demographic is going to be the best. What's the average income? We go in and we look, what's the worst neighborhood? Where's the, where's the drug addicts at? Where's the alcoholics at? Where's the hurting at? And that's where we go plant churches. That's where we go plant homes. And sometimes it's out in the sticks. Amen. There's crazier people out in the sticks than there is in the city. I promise you. My pastor tell me all the time, he said, they ain't got no rules out here, son. In the city, there's some rules and values out here. There ain't no rules out here. Amen? So Exodus 17, I'm closing. Exodus 17. Did I help at all? Appreciating your pastor. Exodus 17, 11. It says, so it came about when Moses held his hand high. And listen, right now, the Israelites during this time, they were at war, man. They were expanding. They were taking land. They were at war with the enemy. Can I tell you something right now? Dude, our, our ministry, our church, we're expanding. We're starting new businesses. We're taking more land. We're planting more churches. We're having rallies. We're having revivals. We're having community outreaches. God is, God is just radically blowing us up and using us. But during this time right now, we can't be the ones pulling our pastor's hands down. We need to be the ones holding our pastor's hands up. Your pastor's hands are going to get heavy. They're going to get heavy. But it's our responsibility to help him hold his hands high. Amen. Check this out. 1,500 pastors each year leave the ministry. 
of people graduating seminary and entering into ministry, they leave within the first five years. 70%. Like I said, 70%, they feel lonely. They feel like they have no close friends. And this is a scary one right here. 80% of pastors' wives, 80% feel that the day their family entered ministry was the day that it ruined everything. 80%. 80% of pastors and families say that the ministry has had a negative impact on their personal lives and their family. 80% say this. Amen? The majority of pastors' wives during the service, they said it was the most destructive event in their life. It was when their husband, their family entered into ministry, entered into church. And guess what? Here, we're not another statistic. Amen? We're not part of the 80%. They've been gone for 12 years, 14 years in marriage, 12 years in ministry, and they're continuing to go strong. And God doesn't bring just ordinary people here. He brings a special kind of people here. Amen. But as I've watched my pastor over the years, he has leaned on God. He has relied on God. He has trusted in God through it all. I'm telling you, if you were in those shoes, there is more than likely times you would have put down the Bible. You would have gave up the ministry. You would have called it quits. Amen. But through all this, they kept going. And so Pastor Raymond, Mama Heather, as a family, as a church, we appreciate you. Amen. Come on, give God some praise. Come on, stand to your feet and give God some praise. Hallelujah. Yes, Jesus. This altar is open right now.